Ladies and gentlemen, we are living in an unprecedented, unprecedented, unprecedented time where your individual liberties are being handed over in the name of a government safety net or for the common good. You're tired of being told what you're allowed to say, how to live your life, or how to raise your kids. And so are we. We are the Break the Bell Podcast, and we believe your voice is your most powerful weapon. Join us weekly as we invade your ear holes with all the insanity that's going on in the world and expose the corrupt system that is hell-bent on keeping the power from you. You can check out Break the Bell every Monday night, streaming live on YouTube, or listen wherever you can find podcasts. Check out Break the Bell, and most importantly, never stop talking. This episode will be completely taken out of context. Welcome to the Fact Check This Podcast. check this podcast and i was not originally planning on doing a live stream today but i got called into work last night and so here i am so for those of you who are listening to the audio of this whenever i get done with actually recording this and put it out on the, to all the pod catchers you missed the live video and also this video absolutely will not be going on youtube today there is a zero percent chance i'm getting my channel nuked off a of, this conversation because today I would like to talk about COVID. Yes, COVID. I try to make a deliberate effort to not talk a lot about COVID because it's, while it is an engaging topic and it is the the thing that is on everybody's mind pretty much all the time, I just don't find it particularly interesting to talk about. But I'm going to change that up a little bit today. After I finish eating this cupcake. All right. So I want to preface everything that I say from here on out with I do not have statistical or factual evidence to back anything that I say, it is entirely hypothetical conjecture. Or if you just want to go all the way there, conspiracy theorist nonsense. I am not claiming any of this to be truth. It is only theories that I have. Hypothetical situations. So if I do try to post this to, to or YouTube later, listen YouTube, I am not stating any of this is fact. It's only opinion. And if Facebook can get away with using fact checkers whose entire basis of their facts is their opinion, then surely this video can stay up on YouTube because it's just my opinion. So we all know, we all know that COVID is a tool of the Great Reset to move things along in the direction that the new world order wants it to go. The Illuminati or whatever you want to call it, the uh, the World Economic Forum is utilizing the oh good. So the World Economic Forum is utilizing the COVID pandemic to usher in the Great Reset. I think we can all agree on that. I think they've even said as much. Now, Mark, I made sure to 
preface this entire episode with this is all conjecture. This is completely my opinion. Mostly it delves into conspiracy theory, and I'm not claiming that any of this is factual or truthful. It is all just what I think. So Twitter and YouTube, please don't ban me. It's all in the old noggin. That's right. It's all up here, and God knows there's a lot of other stuff going on up there. I mean, I poured my... I, I finished my coffee and poured myself oh, you. this. See, I got coffee because I didn't even have time to get it for our earlier show because I woke up and signed on. <laughs> <laughs> ah, for, for anybody who's not aware, uh, Mark and I and a couple other guys do a Monday, Wednesday, Friday morning show, 7.30 Central, 8.30 Eastern. It's called The Morning After, and we have a lot of fun and talk a lot of shit and even cover some news topics and make fun of each other. Today we had uh, Carlos of Los Libertinos on with us to, to guest host. And it's uh, we try to cover a lot of news and not a lot of libertarian nonsense. So, so yeah. Although we did talk quite a bit about libertarian and isms today. So, <laughs> Like I said on the episode, this today we literally talked more about libertarianism on today's episode than we have in every other episode combined. So I, I mean, Carlos on Twitter is Los Libertino, so yeah, kind of had to go that way, right? Well, it only made sense. And also, as someone who is accused of being a white supremacist on a daily basis by Justin, I felt like I was very nice to Carlos. <laughs> you were. You were. But, you know, the Hispanic community is is actually just a uh, their uh, what is it multicultural white or uh, how was it? That they... uh, all I'm thinking of right now is uh, when Larry Elder, who was a black guy, not a Latino, but <laughs> when he was called the the black face of white supremacy. <laughs> so are you <laughs> are you saying that? Carlos is the the brown face of white supremacy. Is this what you're saying right now? You know, he very well may be. <clears throat> no, after the 2020 election, it showed that there was a significant uptick yeah. in uh, especially Hispanic voters and black male voters voting for Donald Trump. As yeah. like over from 2016 to 2020, big increases in both of those communities. And I, I can't remember. It may have. It may very well have been our our favorite. This is just like the morning after continued. Uh, it may have very well have been our favorite publication, The Atlantic, but there was a, an article that was written somewhere that talked about uh, like multicultural whiteness, like white oh, supremacy yeah, is not exclusive to white people anymore. Yeah. It, you can you can be uh, there, there is a multicultural whiteness. It, it was that was the way they described it. It was the craziest shit I'd ever seen. And uh, I think I might have even done an episode where I talked about it because it was <laughs> just that ridiculous. It's like, what the fuck? Uh, so, yeah, I mean, Carlos very well may be a white supremacist for all we know. I mean, it's not outside the realm of possibility at this point. I guess we should have asked him. Maybe we we really should have. Uh, we missed the missed an opportunity. We'll have to have him on again some other time. And just So we can get to the heart of the important questions. <laughs> To our show, anyways, yeah. <laughs> yes, for our show. Uh, I only cover the actual important questions on this show. So, like I, I prefaced everything with, this is all just my conspiracy theory. I, I also set it all up that, you know, I think it's a safe assumption to say that the World Economic Forum and whoever you want to consider as the powers that be are utilizing the coronavirus pandemic to usher in the uh, the the great reset, reset the fourth yeah. industrial age you know open society globalism new world whatever order, you want to call it whatever you want to call it that's what they're doing but i think it's a bit more nefarious than just that i think that there's a reason or i think that the the coronavirus itself was specifically targeted towards the elderly and those with comorbidities for a particular reason. No. Like, I think that was by design. I don't think that's just like the, I don't think that's just the, like, how it happened to work out. Like, I think it was specifically designed to target those people. So this is, um, yeah, I don't know. 
I don't know what words we can even say on this thing. Is this about uh You can say whatever you want. I, this isn't actually going on YouTube. Like I oh, might okay. put it on YouTube later, but okay. Uh, I haven't I haven't decided on that is yet. Is this from a, like a population control angle because Bill Gates is involved? Or are you thinking something even deeper than that? Even deeper than that. Okay, not well, it's not just it, the you know, it's not just the simple population control thing. So the simple thing. <laughs> it's not that small thing. <laughs> yeah, it's not that little, not that little <laughs> minuscule population control thing. No, it, it goes deeper than that. All right. So it, it's circulated a little bit. Uh, who was the idiot that James Franco? So there was the thing that said the, the world is like $22 trillion in debt or something. And it's, and James Franco was like, who are, who are we in debt to? I mean, just cancel it all. So if you look at the like the the fourth industrial age and the great reset and kind of how all of that is structured and like these massive corporations in, in you know in perfect conjuncture with the government to run society as a whole the world over. What is the biggest drain on those massive corporations and those massive governments right now. The biggest drain um, would probably, I mean, pensions. Ba- yeah. Pensions based on and what you were saying earlier, like healthcare, healthcare for the older, for the elderly and the, the sick. Yeah. <clears throat> pensions and healthcare. So who are the two main culprits of all of that money that's being dumped down the drain? the elderly and people who are obese and already sick. I think it's specifically designed and targeted at those people to remove that impediment. How much money do you think these big corporations are saving, not having to pay out pensions, not having to cover people who are on disability, like stuff like this, that, how much is the government going to save not having to cover people's medical expenses? Because most of the people who have those com- comorbidities are on Medic- um, what, Medicaid, Medicare. Well, I mean, the elderly look at Medicare and Medicaid like that is the elderly and those with comorbidities. So how much money has been cut off of these off of their budgets by just by simple addition by subtraction? Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. I haven't really thought of it from this angle before. I guess my only thing is there's also um, <clears throat> seems to be a push to give it, get people like more on the, the government dole than off of it. But these are. Um, but those are healthy people. Yeah. So I guess they don't what you're saying is they don't <laughs> they don't cost as much <laughs> to be on their dole. Healthy people on that system are, I would argue, beneficial to the system because they, they're more malleable. Yeah. I mean, they become apathetic and are able to be right. molded and, in a way that the state wants them to be. Yeah. And they're going to be, they're, they're going to be utilizing the system a lot less for one thing. But like you said, they're going to be a little more malleable and they're going to be more likely to do what they're told, I guess. Like the public education system has done an excellent job as the pandemic has shown of creating uh, perfectly brainwashed collectivists who will do whatever they're told because it's for the good of society. So mm-hmm. if you get all of those people on this universal healthcare system and you tell them that they have to do whatever they have to do, you've already cleaned out all of the, basically all of the, uh, the dead weight that were dragging the system down and creating a lot of excessive costs. Now you've got healthy people on the system who are willing to get their vaccines, get their supplements, get their boosters, do as they're told. You prop up the, the pharmaceuticals. You are creating a, basically a constant turnover of people in the system that aren't actually leeching on the system. So it's uh 
it's kind of a win-win for everybody. And I, and I mean, you know, that can't be over the, the pharmaceutical companies and the fact that the pharmaceutical lobbies are the biggest lobbies in the U S like leaps and bounds ahead of the military industrial complex, the NRA, like any other, any other lobby on, you know, on the planet, the pharmaceuticals are the single biggest. And getting everybody on that, that universal healthcare system and getting rid of the dead weight makes a lot of sense. See, see, you're speechless because <laughs> just you thought you were coming into this and I was just going to say some like really crazy outlandish off the wall shit. And, and now you're looking at, you're looking at me like, oh my God, maybe he's right. I'm mulling this all over. Um, no, you're making some good points. When you say everybody, I mean, we, have you, do you think, are you thinking far enough into like who, who is sending COVID out into the ether? We got uh, Mr. Our favorite Mr. Fauci and China, China. Uh, <laughs> See, I think NIH pharmaceuticals. I think China has the potential to be a thorn in the side of the whole New World Order regime because they do have enough. China has enough internal conflict going on right now that uh, like you've seen the, the COVID thing has kind of just disappeared in China. Like they don't talk about it. It stopped being a thing. Um, I think China has enough internal conflict going on with trying to keep their economy thriving because they, China, China may have a worse ec- internal economic model than the U S does. So like they really need to be productive as a comp- as a country to like not uh, just completely fall off. And because so much of the world has, they've kind of built this, built themselves into this position that so much of the world is relying on them. So. All right, well, let's take this a step further. You just gave me a thought there. China's economic model isn't built on the strength of their own, sort of on the strength of their own production, but not necessarily. It's basically on the, the strength of our weakness, right? So it's the weakness of Americans that makes China stronger, which is, I'm not like a China hawk or anything, because I don't think that their economy is strong. I don't think that their military is strong, but I think that we're, our country is increasingly getting weaker, which sort of makes them into out to be like a larger house of cards than what they maybe even are. And it kind of gives them more of a backbone the weaker that we become. So I guess if you want to push aside all the weak people over here, then that kind of uh, does away with the China problem. Yeah, like like I said, I, I think they have the potential to be kind of the the thorn in the side of the whole the whole Great Reset thing, just because of the internal conflict that they currently have. Like, if they were economically strong internally, and they weren't so reliant on the U.S.'s weakness and Europe's weakness, and uh, and they did have a legitimately strong military. Like for for all the propping up of the Chinese military that the you know the Pentagon generals like to you know rail on about, mm-hmm. China's military is not taking on the U.S. Like <laughs> that's not that's not a realistic thing. Like I they, think, as they, far as like people. Or as far as people like uh, enrollees in the in their military, like they have a lot, but I don't know that as far as like their technology isn't quite right. up to speed with. And even for having stuff. a lot, uh, a lot of it is mandatory enrollment. Like it's not like mm-hmm. we have a, you know, for the most part, we have a volunteer, uh, voluntary based military. I mean, you mm-hmm. do have, you know, the handful that it's, join the military go to jail so but you know those people are probably even more dangerous than the ones who are just volunteering so uh but you know we we have a uh more of a buy-in on our end whereas you know what what you've seen historically in wars where like drafts were enacted and stuff the the soldiers were not as inclined to actually participate in the fighting or or even shoot their guns at all or if they did shoot their guns they weren't shooting with any intent so if it is a uh, forced servitude type of military that that the Chinese have, which 
I believe, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it is, um, you know, what, what's, what's their vested interest in, in that fight, you know, mm-hmm. whereas the U S military is mostly occupied by a bunch of psychopaths. I mean, I, I have plenty of friends in the military <laughs> and I love every one of those psychopaths to death. Uh, but you know, it's, it's a pretty apt description. I mean, yeah. And you look at other uh, other countries that are sort of demonized uh, by the corporate press and by, I guess, the countries that are part of the uh, economic forum and all that, like Russia is probably, would also probably be considered a thorn in the side to New World Order. Right, because Russia kind of... They do their th- own thing for the most part. And they, and they, like, for as much as as much as the U.S. media demonizes Putin, and I'm not saying I'm like some, you know, Putin fan or anything, but they kind of have a good thing going. Like, do I agree with everything that Russia and Putin are doing? No, absolutely not. But mm-hmm. they've kind of figured it out and are doing what works. Like, it's, you know, Russia today is leaps and bounds better than what the Soviet Union was 30 and 35 years ago, you know, at, at the collapse. Like, the, they've, they've kind of figured out how to use what communism was and modernize it to what democracy is and create this, I don't know if you want to call they've it also, democratic. Um, I don't know much about their governance system, but the like the Orthodox church survived throughout all of communist Russia. And I think that you can't like discount the fact that they're very like unified, I guess, in their faith there in Russia, as far as it's like their state religion is Christian Orthodox church. Right. And I think there's something to be said about how that kind of unifies them and like maybe builds a a metaphysical wall around their country right now, because they're a little bit more uh, intent on, maintaining that that kind of order it's not perfect obviously (laughs) but if you were to like you were to put um putin and biden i can't remember poe whatever his name is in china like at the table and with boris johnson murderer you're thinking of jing (laughs) whatever his name is (laughs) you were to put uh putin and china guy and biden and boris johnson at the table like and ask which which two run their countries and which two are basically figureheads. Boris Johnson and Biden are figureheads. And like Putin, you could say that Putin is in charge of his country, right? You can't say the same about Biden. You can't say the same about Boris Johnson. Right. And, and like Trudeau, yeah. Like think whatever you want about Russia. Post communism Russia is at this point relatively strong and stable you know for the most part i mean like like i said like they they seem to have kind of figured out how to do it and i don't like i don't i don't think i would want to go live in russia but at the same time it's cold yeah i'm not a fan of that like you're you're too far north for my taste (laughs) i I, i'm currently too far north for my taste like it's uh i'm not a fan of the cold i'm kind of a tall skinny kid um but yeah, like, like I don't want to go live in Russia, but I do think that as far as uh, structurally and like just from strictly the way that the government runs the country, I, th- I think they do a hell of a lot better job than what the, you know, this shit show that we've got going on here does. Yeah, I'm not going to get many, many arguments for me about that. I don't think that Russia's... Like they're, it's all like scaremongering as far as like Russia's military and such. Um, obviously, they've got nukes. We should right. Russia and China nukes, both have but, nukes. But and other than military that, they're probably 20 years behind us technology-wise. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the con- Soviet Union put Russia behind in that way. And I think there is a lot. I mean, we're over here carrying water for Putin. I think Putin is pretty corruptible. But this kind of goes back. <laughs> or he is corruptible. He is corrupt. But this kind of goes back to we've had these conversations before where it's Putin that's corrupted and it's not a whole bunch of bureaucrats and a whole bunch of politicians like we have here in the States 
or at other like democracies of the world where the the amount of corruption i guess is spread out whereas in russia it's like directed at one person or one sort of entity which is Putin. and i would rather that i guess because you kind of know where to to point your ire or point whatever you need to point at that <laughs> yeah but you're a monarchy sympathizer so yeah, yeah it's true you know, white, on top of the white supremacy. Wait, the two don't go together? I mean, I, apparently so. That's, and isn't that the uh, the staple of post-libertarianism is you have to be a white supremacist and a monarchist? Must be. It's the pillars. There are three pillars. I don't know what the third is. We can come up with it or we can ask a, a, a reing libertarian what the pillars are. Yeah, we'll we'll get an we'll get an answer one of these days. All right, so so we've established that that COVID is obviously set up as this, you know, it's to usher in the Great Reset, killing off the biggest leeches on the on the corporations and the healthcare system that they want to be run entirely by the government. And so so then the next thing that you get that you you know look at is the way that they have handled the propaganda of COVID, uh, the, the absolute suppression of, uh, so, so I've been listening to catching up on Rogan episodes at work over the last couple nights. Cause Man. Uh, we're doing inventory. So like literally all I'm doing is sitting at my desk, typing in, like typing in the, the inventory stuff as the guys bring me, like they, they go through the warehouse and they, they count stuff and then they bring the count sheets for what's in inventory. So literally the only thing I can do is sit at my desk and type all that stuff in because there's 20 of them and two of us entering information. So we can't enter it as fast as they can bring it. Uh, so, so I've been getting 12 hours of Rogan podcasts. Nice. And, Which is like four. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, you yeah. know, three and a half. I'm, I guess unless you listen to speed, extra speed which I can't do by the way, but <laughs> I don't, I, I can with some shows. I don't like to with Rogan. Uh, yeah. So anyway, I listened to the Robert Malone episode, the Peter McCullough episode, um, Alex Berenson. Who was the other guy? He said Malone, McCullough, Berenson. Um, I haven't listened to Rogan in a while. I need to listen to those Malone and McCullough ones though. Yeah. Oh, uh, John, John Abramson was the other one. So anyway, like kind of a, a common theme with all of those. Um, the suppression of factual information by specifically like big tech and the mainstream media, a suppression of anything that could cause vaccine hesitancy. Like that's that's in, insane because it's not that it's factually incorrect. It's not that the scientific evidence is wrong. The reason that these guys keep getting taken taken off of Twitter and YouTube and everything else, keep getting censored everywhere they go, anytime they say this stuff, is because it could cause vaccine hesitancy, even though talking about the fact that hydrochloroquine and ivermectin have been used consistently and effectively all over the world to the extent that in uh, a lot of like smaller countries, they've almost completely wiped out like COVID is not a problem because they actually treat properly. Whereas in the U S the, the treatment procedure is wait until you're so sick that you're about to die. And then you go to the hospital to get treated. Like, they won't treat they won't treat early and use these things mm. like the suppression of factual information is just like off the rails insane and every one of those guys talk about it like over and over and over again how much information is out there about the covid vaccines and myocarditis pericarditis like the negative impacts that these are having especially the fact that in young boys uh, i can't remember the I think it was like it was either the like nine to twelve or twelve to fifteen, like in that that age range, you are actually that you are actually more likely to have a 
negative outcome of your vaccine than you are to yeah. go to the hospital with COVID. Like if you were unvaccinated, the, and, and the fact that if you say that, if you say that, You're you banned. will get censored and yeah. banned. <clears throat> so the, uh, yeah, the uh, hydroxychloroquine thing was a huge like red pill for me at the time, which that was March of 2020. And I was already skeptical based of it, based off of everything that was kind of going on with the lockdowns, uh, the information that we were getting, the complete like switch the media made because <laughs> they, they went from, this isn't a big deal to this is the most dire thing that we've ever faced. But yeah, the hydroxychloroquine thing, like the fact that the evidence was pretty sparse at the time, but that it was helping a lot of people and, and the lengths to which the corporate press went to just completely censoring that um, was pretty insane. And the fact that we kind of forgot about it for a while until ivermectin came along and they did the same thing to ivermectin, like it definitely shows an attempt to really clamp down on anything that could be used as a treatment for this, for this virus. And I remember um, there's a congresswoman, a state congresswoman here in Michigan, a Democrat uh, in Detroit, and she like basically left <laughs> the Democratic Party over hydroxychloroquine. It was like last April, last May, around there, because she saw that it was a, it, I think she used it, or maybe her one of her parents used it, and it really helped them when they had COVID. She saw that, and so she was trying to get hydroxychloroquine for her constituents in Detroit because Detroit was hit not quite as hard as Detroit, but it was a big, or not quite as hard as New York City, but since it was a big city, it was kind of getting hit a little bit. And she, she saw like the efforts of the Democrat party went and like basically stopping her constituents from getting access to hydroxychloroquine. And I think she ended up get, getting on a call with Trump and they sent some Detroit or whatever. So I haven't like checked in to see what she's doing now, but that was actually one white pill for me is this Democratic Congresswoman getting red pilled on based off of hydroxychloroquine. It's just a shame that not very many people have. Well, and see now, like for as much as they have fought early treatment this entire time when the early treatment included ivermectin and hydrochloroquine, Mm-hmm. Now that Pfizer and Merck are coming out with their early treatment pills, now they're starting to to push for that a little bit more, which kind of goes back to the you know my initial point, like hydrochloroquine and ivermectin are, are not patented. In fact, uh, didn't okay, I'm I'm almost a hundred percent positive. I heard this. Uh, Merck originally made hydro or not uh, ivermectin and gave it away for free to African countries to, uh, as a treatment for, uh, what is it? River blindness. Uh, bec- oh. like they, when they made it, they knew we cannot make money off of this. It's, yeah. it's too easy of a compound. It's like, there is no way we can make money off of this. So we're just going to give it away and save people's lives with it. And, and like, like that's the way that medicine is supposed to be. But here we are, you know, however many years later, and they're refusing to, and, and there is actual, there's actual research that shows that it may help. It definitely doesn't hurt. Like there's not, there's not discernible evidence that says, yes, this absolutely helps, but there is enough that shows people have gotten better when taking it. And, People haven't gotten worse when taking it, so like, yeah, it, there's definitely some validity to it. And hydrochloroquine has been hands down proven to be effective in in treating COVID. Like, especially if if you start early treatment and hydrochloroquine combined with uh, with zinc and then the monoclonal antibodies, like, you can basically. Basically, everybody could take the Joe Rogan method of treatment for COVID and not have anything, any adverse effects of it. But instead, the way that the, you know, the, the U.S. medical system has gone about it and, and not just the U.S., like the entire fucking world, which is really, really creepy. How how lockstep everyone has been 
almost to a T. Uh, like you have the handful of outliers, but like the major global powers, U.S., Russia, Israel, France, Germany, like the major global powers have been almost lockstep the entire way with pushing the vaccines and now pushing the boosters and now pushing the Pfizer and Merck treatments as opposed to the stuff that was readily available on the market. Like uh, yeah. the, uh, they were talking about the monoclonal antibodies with uh, Peter McCullough on Rogan's show. And like the U.S. government has stockpiles of that. They have enough to treat every human being in the country right now. And they withhold that. They have actually made it harder to get it because it is an effective treatment that could stop COVID early if, if utilized. And, yeah. And if you add it up, uh, 12, what would we get? 1200 per person, 1200 per person. You could send this to, to every household for, it'll last them for how long? Right. Right. And add in a treadmill too. send every household a treadmill. <laughs> and that's, you know, that's another thing that, but you know, that goes back to the first point. Like they're trying to wipe those people out anyway. So, so then we don't have to deal with the, the fatties moving forward. I mean, that seems to be kind of the goal. Of the... Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you saw in Canada, they're uh, like chaining um, hockey goals together, like together. So like they're on the street. So they like put them together and like chain them together so that kids can't play street hockey. <laughs> Something that kids need to do is get out and exercise and get in the outdoors. I know it's not, there's not a whole lot of vitamin D to be had in Canada right now, but the fresh air will do them a whole lot better than like you said, the shots. It's like what, I mean, what is the motivation behind not letting kids go outside and get exercise? It can't Man. be to prevent a virus, right? I'd be dead or in jail. <laughs> like, I would, I would wheel my blowtorch out and go burn these chains off <laughs> right. and push the push the goals back out. Like, I, while wielding the very nice sword that my wife got me for Christmas as opposed to that other thing. And a Jason mask because it's hockey. Damn right, it's perfect. <laughs> it's only fitting. In fact, I, I might leave the sword at home and grab the machete just just because the Jason mask would be. I actually got an axe too. You want to see the axe? I would love to see the axe. Yeah. <laughs> see, for anybody not watching the live stream and waiting to like listen to this whenever I put the episode out later this afternoon, like, you are really missing out on all the visuals because I'm trying to just be a predominantly video based episode. Or, uh, and I can guarantee you folks, he is pulling out a legitimate axe. This is yeah. nothing weird. Look at that. A real axe. I mean, it's, it's, it's very lightweight. The handle is easy to, easy to grip. Nice for a, uh, you can get a quick spin. My son doesn't like when I play with it close to his head. I don't know why. I'm not I, don't, gonna... I don't understand that, but <laughs> Tell him quick I was rewatching um, Lord of the Rings over this weekend and that kind of looks like something you might find in there so well, that's kind of the goal i'm uh i'm gonna start building my body armor sometime soon like i'm, I'm preparing to go uh, look rumor has it that mad max was set in like 2021 or 2022 like we got to be getting close to it happening so i'm i'm trying to go ahead and prepare for a uh, post-apocalyptic justin now you're gonna make me go watch that movie I've not seen this. What? You've never seen Mad Max? <laughs> no. Well, see, now you got to go watch that, and then we'll do a Mad Max review. There we go. All right. So, so do you we have got any? <laughs> Sorry, go I don't know. We got way off topic. This do you happens. have any? Do you have any other thoughts on like, like? I know, like, I kind of pitched this as a conspiracy theory, you know, crazy talk, but like. And like I said, I don't have any proof of any of that, but it seems really convenient when you just stop and think about it. Like, like I, I just, I can't remember who it was. I heard somebody say, can you imagine how much companies are saving on not having to pay out pensions to all these old people that are dying? It's like, wait a second. Like, like okay, yes, yes. Like, think about that just on the surface, but then you know, carry that out. Like, not just that, but 
what about the the complete drag on the medical? I mean, when when the ACA went into effect, and suddenly people with pre existing conditions couldn't be denied insurance, I that wrecked the medical system. I mean, you, we are seeing we are seeing the impact of that even still, like even since it's not been, you know, Trump never followed through with repealing it, but they have dialed it back in to, to certain extents, but we're still seeing the negative effects that that's had on the, the medical industry and on healthcare costs and everything. And with those healthcare costs going up like that, a lot of the people who are utilizing those services and getting that healthcare cost are the ones who are on Medicare and Medicaid. So like how much money does the U S government spend annually on Medicare and Medicaid and health costs? I mean, it's, if I'm not mistaken, it's in the trillions. I would venture. It's a lot. That's for sure. I want to say it was like 2.2, but I, I might, I might be high on that. It might be, it might be 1.2, but I, I'm almost positive 2.2 was the number. Like it's, it is over a trillion that, yeah. it, uh, that's going into that alone. So it makes you think that when the proponents of universal healthcare were asked, "How are you going to pay for it?" and they just kind of shrugged and was like, "We'll find a way, or we'll print money, whatever it is." Like <laughs> maybe they knew what was going to happen. I mean, it's it's a whole lot easier to pay for universal healthcare when. You can, uh, as uh, Sarah Palin says, death panels. It's just a different kind of death panels. And you can keep off the the unvaccinated, too. So they don't get health insurance. Right. So, So, okay. So that kind of goes to another uh, carrying this out a little bit further. Because something that I thought about when the vaccines were really starting to get pushed and something that you're starting to see now and that, uh, that, Robert Malone and and I think McCullough as well to some extent talked about was like what you're gonna what you're starting to see is it's and we we talked about an article a couple of weeks ago uh, it is becoming a pandemic of the vaccinated not of the unvaccinated uh, and and the numbers are the numbers are proving that out I, I think in I think in England right now like upwards of 80% of all COVID cases are fully vaccinated. Uh, like it's, it's, it's not looking, it's not looking real good. Yeah. Uh, and they're seeing that in a lot of places. And, and, and there's not even, there is not verifiable evidence to prove that the spike is actually Omicron. Uh, that those actual numbers aren't out there yet. Yeah. So, so it, this could just be, the actual, you know, the normal flu season with Delta. Well, I, I think that that is what Omicron is too, though. Right. I, uh, I mean, personal experience was a month ago. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I had COVID. I had like the symptoms, like I couldn't get out of bed for 24 hours and like just had all the aches and was tired and all this stuff. Two weeks later, and I just got over this, I had a head cold for like two weeks. And I didn't go, I got tested for the one for my job. <clears throat> I didn't get tested the second time because I don't want to add cases into <laughs> into the system. Like, you know, it was just a cold. Like, I'm not going to wait in line to get tested for a freaking cold. But I just tell everybody that I had Delta and then I had Omicron. And Omicron was <laughs> was basically the flu. It wasn't even that bad. And well, I think see, that's I, what I had a, I had a theory on that as well with Omicron effectively being just a, a cold like virus. Have you noticed how over the last few weeks there's been a lot of talk of shortages of masks and of tests? And now all of a sudden they're starting to really push these uh, in-home testing kits. Yeah. See, I think I think the I think the mask shortage was designed to drive panic and the testing shortage was an opportunity to recalibrate the tests to pick up cold and like the normal cold and flu bugs mm-hmm. as positive on these tests. 
And that's why they're pushing these home tests so that you'll take the home test. You just have a cold or, you know, the regular flu. You take your home test. It says you have COVID. You don't question it. You say, yep, I have COVID. And then it's, you know, cases added. So you can keep pushing the fear porn and the panic because cases are constantly going up mm-hmm. because nobody talks about deaths anymore. No, I mean, yeah, it's all cases. The deaths are, are way down. I can speak from experience too. I'm not going to say the company's name on here because they probably will not let me work for them anymore. But I go and do shopping for people <laughs> and I can, from personal experience, these tests are always sold out. Like there have been a couple of times where I have to buy or have to get them to bring them to people who have purchased them. And every single time they're not available. So these tests are selling out like crazy. These in-home ones. It's and there, there's a weird like status, uh, like status symbol with like saying, like it's kind of like a conflict with the people who are vaccinated. They want to say that they're vaccinated and so they can't, they're not going to get as sick, but they also want to say that they survived COVID too. So I think the people who who are adding to the tests are people who are the most afraid of it because they want to post on uh, Facebook that, yes, I had COVID, but it wasn't so bad for me because I got the booster and I'm fully vaccinated, blah, 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 all this stuff. Like I've seen this too all over social media. It's a weird status thing. There is a lot of really weird uh, ritualistic type shit that that has come out of all yeah. of this. It is very, very eerie to, yeah. to put it mildly. Which at the, at the heart of every true conspiracy is a, is a deep seated religious belief. So. Amen. Well, what do you think? Did I, uh, have I pretty well hit the nail on the head? I'll, I'll yeah, I'll accept it. to reiterate none of this is anything that i can prove with facts it's all just made up in my head and my head is a crazy place to be so youtube please don't take this down when i decide to post it but i guarantee you i'm gonna wait for another week and a half until the last strike that i got falls off so that i (laughs) when they do remove this i'm still only have two strikes and i don't get that third strike that nukes the channel i like how you game the system like that i know how to play this game baby Uh, i mean i uh I ran with uh, nine points on my license for like six years, and uh, <laughs> you know one more one more ticket, and uh, the state of Kentucky would have taken my license. But nice. did you drive time. like a granny while you had those nine points? Just oh man, I had speed limit five below the speed limit. Here in Indiana, I had a my my license was invalid for four years. Nice. Apparently. Uh, I got a speeding ticket and I, I paid the ticket. I didn't think anything else of it. And apparently in Indiana, you don't just have to pay the ticket. They're not completely money grubbing bastards. They also want you to learn a lesson. So you're supposed to take a driver's ed course. Well, I never got the memo about the driver's ed course. So I just paid the fine and moved on with life. And then uh, a couple years later, I got in a little fender bender and the police officer was like, your license has been suspended for two years uh for what and so he explained it like oh well okay and then i proceeded to drive, to drive with a suspended license for <laughs> You're like well i got away with it for this long <laughs> yeah so then i proceeded to drive with a suspended license for another two years and then i finally got went and got it taken care of uh but Perfect. yeah apparently a driver's license does not in fact determine whether or not you can drive because i think i'm an excellent driver <laughs> never mind the four wrecks i've been in yeah never mind the nine points however those got there <laughs> <laughs> man uh, I, I sat down and counted all my tickets one time and uh I, i'm not doing that again oh no don't have enough fingers and toes well anything else i, I mean this I'm glad you jumped in because it gave me an opportunity to kind of knock this stuff off of somebody and not just sit here and think I'm sounding crazy. No, I enjoyed it. I think you think you're on to something. I think I mean, it's a, some good thoughts up there in that noggin and amongst the the weird weird stuff going on. <laughs> you know, my uh, 
sword and axe collection. Yeah, I mean, and who knows that? Maybe it's, maybe it's not that nefarious. Maybe it is just that it just so happens that this, you know, obviously lab-grown virus just so happens to very, very Weak specifically out. target the elderly and the already sick, like, and the not and not kids at all. Like, that's the big thing that kind of pushed me towards that because every other coronavirus type thing, you know, flu, they always target kids. Like they, they are always, always bad on kids. And this has not been at all, not, not at all Mm -hmm. like that. Like, I think that was the key thing that really made me think this seems to be very specifically tailored. Like, like, we know it's grown, you know, we know it's lab created. Uh, and I can remember just within the last several years, you know, talk of being really close to having the technology that when you, you know, you get your wife pregnant and they can determine how tall the kid is going to be and like what their build is going to be and what their eye color and hair color is going to be. Like, this shit is not that far out. Yeah. And, you know, for all for all intents and purposes, exists. So, you know, it, it is very, very possible that they could specifically tailor this disease to target a very small sampling. And and you know, and how many of the people who were healthy that died of COVID ended up like in the autopsies or something? having some underlying condition that they never even knew about, like had a heart condition or like that shit has been really prevalent and really underreported. Like it's legitimately not just like healthy people aren't just keeling over with this. Most of the people who end up having something, some sort of either long-term side effect or death, this is bringing that out but the 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 thing was there already this yeah. just this just emphasized it like th- th- it just seems too fucking convenient yeah you look at how quickly they went after something like the pandemic going on 2 years ago now 2020 well that came out in may april or may of 2020 and that thing was attacked from every single angle, from every side. And she's turned out to be <laughs> more correct than a lot of people. Um, I remember in April of 2020, I was watching, it's kind of like a journalist work, journalistic work from the Epoch Times, where they were uh, researching and looking into the lab leak theory back when the lab leak theory was all conspiracy. Uh, I remember telling someone this, <clears throat> and she's like, well, I think that we're too like ingrained in the situation of the pandemic right now to really get good journalists working. I was like, no, I don't look at it that way. Like they need to be doing this now, looking into this now. And like, it seemed like they were the only ones at the time because down the road, here we are kind of, I think even some COVID idiots are kind of coming out of pandemic mode where now we can look into the lab leak theory, but it's all going to be kind of formulated into a, a narrative that's convenient for the people who are able to, to purvey this kind of uh, like the news and information to the people at large. Right. So I think what we're going to get is sort of a reframing of the narrative from the corporate press. And then, <laughs> and, I mean, fortunately we got people like, like Justin here and, our morning after show and other people who are doing good work, but we're not going to get a whole lot of truth until like years down the road when it's like, well, that's, that's past us now. Like what, what you've seen with nine 11 and um, like any major news story, like Pearl Harbor, right? <laughs> people believed at that time for a while that that was a surprise attack. And it wasn't until years down the road when it didn't really matter to people anymore. That's like, Oh, that wasn't so surprise. But that's sort of what we're seeing happening now in live time with COVID. Right. And that's what we're going to see with the vaccinations as well. Yeah. 
it's yeah, a slow it's, burn. Yeah, it is. And it's, I mean, it's, it's really crazy to be living through it. Yeah. So the final thing, and this is what we'll kind of close on. Is an appeal to heaven. Well, yes. I mean, that's always the. <laughs> my buddy Phil. See, I'm going to have to have you and Phil. Phil is also a redhead. And he also has a, an appeal to heaven uh, flag in his background. So nice. I'll have to have I have to have both of y'all on at the same time sometime. That way there we, we go. Yeah, I need to yeah, I need to clarify earlier when I said that behind every uh deep seated or conspiracy truth is deep seated religious belief. I am religious myself, I just don't have the same religious beliefs as as these COVID losers. So. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's so, religious. So my closing do you remember the movie Equilibrium? No. All right. So I think, <laughs> see, now you're going to have to go watch it and, and then we'll I review got that. I two movies to watch. So you'll have to watch that and then we'll review it as well. Um, so in Equilibrium, basically everybody lives in these big cities and they all take their daily pills, which what you end up finding out is these pills are actually uh, uh, like emotional suppression. Like they're, they make everybody just level all the time. Um, well, and then outside of the cities is where all the like the people who are wild and uncivilized and you know the Neanderthals. That's where that's where they all are. But you know, civilization lives within these cities. And I think that's probably the direction that we are ultimately going, which is the the intent of what we're seeing now, like the unvaccinated, we're going to be ostracized from society, which is fine with me. I'm like actively trying to ostracize myself as we speak. Clearly. (laughs) Yeah. Like I'm trying to run off into the woods and never come back anyway. So, you know, it doesn't hurt my feelings any, but they're going to ostracize all of the unvaccinated from society. They're going to move it in the direction of, everything revolves around these massive cities. Everybody's going to have their pills like this, you know, this COVID treatment is going to, it is going to eventually advance itself from a COVID treatment to a, you know, monthly or weekly thing that you take in place of the vaccine to being the daily pill that you take that keeps you completely controlled. Like I, I, I don't think we're that many steps away from it. Like, we, you know, we've only got maybe three or four left to go, if if even that many. And at the rate that they've been taking, at the you know, the rate that they've been hitting these hurdles over the last two years, it's not going to take that long to get there either. So, like, I, I kind of see that. Like, that's that's the end game. That's where I see. Yeah. That's where I see it going. Your daily vitamin. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> it's like you said, we're not very far off. From and, that. and do these, you remember? Um, these Speaking pills are a version of an mRNA technology. So like that's, yeah. you know, yeah. Do you remember the end of the world war Z? Is that the disease that turns everybody into zombies? Yeah. I recently watched that. And at the end, this kind of goes back to the vaccines though, but they're trying to give everybody a vaccine to save them from turning into zombies. But the, the end of that movie where everyone is kind of getting their, I don't know if they call it a vaccine, their treatment, whatever it is, um, where everyone's getting that and they're returning back to normal society. Like everyone's walking around in a daze. And they went from not wanting to be turned into zombies to getting shot and walking around kind of like zombies. They just don't look like it as far as like the weird, creepy, bloody looking creature. But they're right, just they like get to be, in their own get- days and... They get to be more a uh, a more controlled zombie. Yeah, like they're not the wild feral zombies. They're they're the civilized decent zombies. Right. But yeah, I mean, it's the entire world gets to be a zomb- gets to be zombified. Just some of yeah. them are not trying to eat the faces off of the others. Mm-hmm. And 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 even with that, once the once everybody got their you know their shot to become a zombie then the zombies aren't trying to eat them anymore either. <laughs> so, I mean, it civilized all of society effectively. That's yep. world, world peace through zombification. And this goes back to our very first episode together, Justin, 
read or watch more fiction because it eventually predicts the future. <laughs> Hell yes. That's, that, that, that is literally everything that we've talked about today has revolved around science fiction and mm -hmm. the fact that it's all coming true. And you've got Lord of the Rings stuff going on over there. So we're working on our own alternate universe. I'd, love, I'd rather live in that universe than, yeah. well, I don't want to say that this one. I mean, it sounds pretty bad, but yeah, this one isn't all it's cracked up to be. Yeah. If the multiverse exists, I definitely want to find the uh, Dungeons and Dragons one and just go there. camp out there. <laughs> there you go. That's why I'm stockpiling all these blades. I'll have to work to catch up. <laughs> well, thank you for joining me. This has been a lot of fun. Way to kick off the new year with uh, a bunch of crazy shit. For everybody who listens, um, Thanks for joining us on this wild ride. Hopefully you thought about things in a slightly different way. And maybe it's really funny. My, my wife says that uh, my father-in-law used to think I was some crazy conspiracy theorist. And now he just sits around saying, gosh, Justin was right. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe, God, I hope not. But, you know, maybe here in about another 16 to 18 months, we'll all be looking back at this and saying, God, Justin was right. Should have listened to him. Should have listened. Should have listened. Oh, I think that'll about do it. Thanks, Mark. Yeah, yeah thanks for inviting one. me out. You too. <laughs> Later. <laughs>